Where's the beer, Tom? What? The beer. Where's the beer? I thought you were getting the beer. You what? No beer? You idiot, Tom. You total idiot. That was your job, you complete moron. You cretin. That's what you are. A total and utter cretin. It was a joke, Rob. I was joking. It was a Christmas joke. Oh. I see. Um... Of course I got the beer. It's from Beer 52. I got eight specially themed beers. and There are snacks and even an award-winning magazine for just £5.95 postage. I researched it all online. All I had to do was go to beer52.com forward slash peep. That sounds like a lovely case of beers. I'm sorry I flew off the handle a bit. That wasn't very Christmassy. No, it wasn't. I apologise. So if I wanted to get my own free case of beer, how would I go about doing that? Well, to get your first free case of beers, simply head to beer52.com forward slash peep. You'll get eight specially themed beers, a couple of snacks and that award-winning magazine. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. Brilliant. Cheers. Hi, I'm Sam Bain and you're listening to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. Hello and welcome to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison and of course I'm joined as always by Rob Graham. Hello! And it's the final countdown now, Rob. We've got three episodes to go. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I was talking to my wife this morning actually about the fact we were recording this evening and she was like, how long have you got left of this podcast? I said, well, we're recording episode four of series nine. I said, and there are two more episodes after this. She was like, oh, blimey, you're nearly done. I was like, yeah, we're not going to be finishing <laughs> straight away. Don't get too excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did say, I was like, yeah, we really are coming close to the end. Like once we've done this, we're starting like prep work for the last two episodes is really, really like daunting that we're coming to the end of this yeah it's definitely when i wrote that down three episodes to go i thought geez like it it suddenly became very real um so it's going to be yeah interesting when we get to the end of this a little bit surreal um but at the same time you know we've got some other stuff going on as well a few specials we want to do before we kind of wrap up for good um so still exciting times i'm looking forward to we've got a few you know, there's some good episodes and um, the finale as well is actually, I think, a very a, a very good episode for Peep Show. Um, so I'm looking forward to reviewing that one as well, but not, not looking forward to it too much because I know then it's kind of the end of the show in its kind of traditional format. Yeah, it's weird to think that by October, like the end of October, we'll have finished. Like mm. nearly like two years, two years up? No, three, three years, years after we started. Yeah. yeah. But let's not turn this into too much of a uh, um, (laughs) (laughs) a wallowing. We've we we, we're having a good time. I'm having a good time. Um, (laughs) It's like we are. (laughs) I mean, I'm not. But um, yeah. So yeah. Should we? Should we? um, Should we crack on rather than wallowing in our own self pity? (laughs) No. Yes. We'll have perhaps. uh, Yeah. It'll be three years very soon in November. So perhaps we'll do a bit of a sort of a retrospective of like our our third birthday, perhaps as we wrap things up um, for the podcast. But yeah, for now, let's celebrate our lovely patrons because we've had two new ones just today, haven't we? 
Yeah, they snuck in just before. I realised when I recorded last week that I said, you snuck in just 12 hours before. I'm like, can you sneak in 12 hours before? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the cutoff point is for sneaking. But yeah, so we are up now to a magic 50, unless anyone's cancelled their membership whilst I've been... Um, was what I've been talking. So a massive shout out to Darren Friedrichs, Robert Horvath, Dave Pink, Mike Kavanagh, Trisha Atenzia, Laurie Johnson, Daniel Thompson, Andrew Mason, Doug Simpson, Alex Watson, George johansson Byberg, John Fraser, Michael Collins, Toby Irving, Jessica Isler, Tim Chamberlain, Jonathan Gardner, John C. Ralston, Stuart Hill, Ash Krishna, Isaac Marley Morgan, John Barker, D. Bizzle, Sarah McDaniel, Steve Morano, Olivia Calmus Hoy, Benjamin Price, Eleanor Wall, Simon Darlington, I'm running out of breath, Nick Howard, Jason Martin, Justin Dunlevy, Stephen Darancetti, Ilis Kokowska, VJ Bow, David Butler, Eric Lenz, Adam Dawn, Rob Craig, Rory Robinson, Caroline Murray, Sean Ronan Smith, Joe Sims, Michael McQueen, Jamie from Up and Running, Gareth Stevens, Drew Allen, Brandon Jackson, and then I believe since our last recording, we have also been joined by Rakeen Patel, who is hollering all the way from Texas, and Bents Barto, who has joined, yeah, just like, just this afternoon. Um, so a big shout out to everyone that has uh, signed up for Patreon. Um, it's not too late to sign up if you are interested. Um, Tom will leave a description, uh, leave a link in the description below, but you can sign up on patreon.com forward slash podcast pharaohs. Yeah, and as well, we'll shout out those. We've got a few exclusive episodes on the Patreon as well. So if you sign up, there are about half a dozen sort of um, kind of like a mini series of various specials and things we did over the summer while we were kind of taking a bit of an extended break. So yeah, there's some exclusive content there. If you want to check that out, it's available to um, all tiers on the Patreon. So um, yeah, we'd like that if you uh, if you check it out, we'd appreciate it. Um, but back to today's episode then. So this week we're going to be taking a look at series nine, episode four which is called Mole Mapping. And uh, we'll start with the synopsis as normal and then opening impressions. And I believe, Rob, you've picked out at least one of our sort of listener, uh, captured their thoughts as well, so we can discuss that as well. Um, but for the synopsis, Mole Mapping. In a desperate bid to spend more time with April, Mark signs himself up to have his moles mapped. As he begins to believe he might actually have a chance with her, his growing relationship with Angus is becoming a problem. Meanwhile, Jeremy desperately attempts to show Joe that he's a proper person and his life coaching isn't something he does just out of his bedroom. So, should we open with our listener thoughts and then we can kind of, yeah, roll in our own opinions? Yeah, like I said, last week we had about 200 listener contributions. This week we've got about three. So, they were quite (laughs) good ones that I found, to be fair. So uh, we had Paul, um, <laughs> this this one's not a good one to be fair, <laughs> but Paul <laughs> Reaney said, my main issue with the episode is why on earth did Angus not try to backhand Mark serve? Horrendous technique. Uh, and Henry McColl, who actually makes a point that I want to touch on in my introduction is, it's a good episode, but surely Angus would see right through Mark by now. Um, and then on Instagram, Dylan Lease said, for me personally, it might be the best episode of Series 9 after threeism. Very funny and great to see the likes of Johnson and Hans, and Hans' friend from his Halford days, and learning about a Greek Orthodox Church, which 
which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. I like this episode in the same way I like all episodes of Peep Show. I think it's always a bit of like after the Lord Mayor's show because I think threeism is so brilliant. But I watched this episode earlier in prep for tonight and I did think actually it's better than I give it credit for. It's got some really good like dry comedy. I think Mark's relationship with Angus is really funny. But I do agree with what Dylan said, which is... Uh, not Sorry, not uh, Dylan. Um, Henry, sorry. Henry McCall said uh, about Angus seeing right through Mark. And I do think there would be a, like a level of plausibility to Mark wanting to do all of these things, just him and April, and inviting her to come and do this, inviting her to come and do that, that I do find... I feel like in a realistic world, Angus would have been like, I've got a bit of a problem with you spending this much time with this bloke. Especially for Angus then to be really not even cordial with Mark he actively goes out of his way to spend time with him and like go for lunch and whatever yeah I definitely agree with that it seems like I don't know for all his kind of intellectual prowess um, Angus seems to have quite a large sort of social blind spot Um, and yeah for someone Mark is making quite I think obvious moves on April um, and yeah i don't know whether it's for all we know it could be you know keep your enemies close or whatever but we don't really get that sense that angus is kind of like a malicious person or anything like that um it, yeah it seems a little bit kind of naive um or perhaps just ignorance on angus's part i definitely agree with that um but at the same time try not to i almost try and you know ignore that a little bit which perhaps sounds bad but i think there's a lot of good stuff kind of seeing as Mark gets to know Angus in this episode a bit more and the way he finds him really interesting after this kind of a continuation from last week. I do like watching that unfold as Mark kind of realises that actually Angus is like a very decent bloke on like, I mean, he's got his, you know, sort of dodgy past in his relationship with April, but in, in terms of like his impression on Mark, like their shared experience, like... I think Mark's quite a big fan, which kind of makes it a bit more complicated when he's trying to steal his wife. Yeah, and we talked about this, I think, in uh, one of our Project Zeus Files episodes about how Mark's various sort of um, rivals for his one's affections have always been like Jeff, who is like a polar opposite to what he's like. Um, Gerard, who he who he is very like, but doesn't want to admit that he is, and then Angus, who he feels like he really should get on with, unless, um, except for the fact that obviously he is trying to steal his wife. But yeah, Angus is a really decent bloke, and I just think I do wonder whether the reason that he isn't batting an eyelid about the fact that Mark's doing all of these sort of slightly odd things with April, is that is it meant to be indicative of their sort of quite dysfunctional marriage that they seem to have, which we'd already sort of alluded to at the end of threeism? Yeah, I mean, it's quite clear that there's a lot going on back there. To, and it's still, you know, it's barely contained, like, under the surface. Like, it didn't take all that much for April to start kind of spilling you know, everything about, you know, the, the infidelity and the, their past um, troubles and their relationship. So, yeah, there's there's clearly quite a lot going on there. And it's interesting how they both kind of handle it and how they're both quite open with Mark throughout the course of this episode. And, of course, Mark kind of uses that immensely to his advantage. Yeah. I do think it's a really weird episode, though, that 
the Jez storyline is really weak alongside it by comparison. Like normally they have two good strong sort of storylines running concurrently, and I know that they come back together by the end because obviously we have the um, like Mark and the bank and the bank robber and all of this sort of stuff. Um, but I do just think like Jez's storyline is almost slightly a bit of an afterthought. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's definitely. Yeah, I would say it's significantly weaker than the Mark storyline, but I think sometimes in order to kind of let that storyline breathe, as we're really ramping up focus on, you know, the Mark and April and Angus kind of love triangle, um, I think they almost had to kind of let Jez take a bit of a back seat, um, and then, yeah, they kind of bring them together um, towards the end, as they quite often do, which is a nice touch, although a little bit kind of under extreme circumstances. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of necessary given where they want to take um, the Mark, April, and Angus triangle. Yeah, yeah, I, I take your point. Well, should we should we dive into the episode before we before we dance around the uh... <laughs> yeah <laughs> dance absolutely. around the specifics a little too much was that some kind of strictly reference with <laughs> it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't. About we, Robert. <laughs> we, we probably should we were talking about this off air actually we probably should mention uh, that robert webb is on strictly come dancing so if you're not a uk based listener strictly come dancing is basically i think it, they have it all over the world but like it's basically like a, a dance like a ballroom dancing competition where celebrities are partnered with professional dancers who they then basically train to dance and they each week they do like a different, like a tango or a Charleston or a Paso Doble. I, th- those are the dances I've learned. from. Um, <laughs> I think in America so, it's dancing with the stars, isn't it? Yes, it is. So yeah, so that's basically what Robert Webb's doing at the moment. He's he's done two weeks. So this is like he danced last night and whilst we're recording, they are um, finding out whether they've been eliminated or not. But I feel like whilst Robert's not the most amazing dancer... Um, he's certainly not the weakest dancer in the competition by any means. And I did, I did dig back through our interview that we did with him because there was a bit of a chat where we talked to him about about his dancing. So I, I wonder whether at the time he ever thought when we interviewed him in March 2020 that um, he would appear on Strictly less like just over a year later. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, so you have our full support, Robert. We are kind of rooting you to go all the way and we hope that you kind of bring that Rainbow Rhythms energy to the dance floor. I'm not quite sure how you could do that for a ballroom dancing show, but um, if you can find a way, then we would love to see it. I'm um, waiting for him to do the rumba so we can get a that's rumba wang. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, yeah, let's dive into the episode then and get started with the mole mapping. So this episode begins in Jeremy's bedroom. We're in his head and he and Joe are in bed together. And straight off the bat, I thought Jeremy's first thoughts were quite interesting to me because I thought it was a really strong callback to his time with Nancy as Jeremy opens by saying, or rather thinking to himself, gorgeous Joe, I want to crawl inside your lovely pink mouth, which the time I remember way back, obviously it would be series two, wouldn't it, with Nancy, um, and there's a moment where he says to her, sometimes I wish I'd die and climb inside you. And <laughs> it's just really, really intense. And it, Jeremy can just get really weird, can't he? And pretty creepy. Like, that's quite a dark thing to say. 
But at least this time he said it in his monologue. Like when yeah, he said it to Nancy, he said it out loud. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. At least he's learned that over the course of about seven series, he's kind of learned that those thoughts need to stay thoughts and not be verbalised. But it just kind of got me wondering. Like Jeremy's just not very good at expressing himself properly, or either that, or he just has like these incredibly dark, albeit in his own mind, I guess, kind of romantic thoughts. But I don't think anyone else could kind of perceive them that way no and i I, i'm imagining that joe probably wouldn't have been best pleased if that had actually come out i think (laughs) i feel like he would have reacted even more um strangely than than nancy did when he said the same thing to her um but yeah that luckily that's in his head and the conversation sort of starts i need to get to work oh yeah of course me too. Busy, busy, busy. Storage wars, walnut whip, wank into a flannel. It's like, who's the most famous person you've life coached? Uh, I would probably have to say... Think of someone famous. Think of someone famous. The Queen. Interesting choice. The Queen? Yeah. It was either the Queen or Jensen Button, but in the end, I'd probably have to say the Queen. Possibly the most... Definitely the most famous person in this country. probably one of the most famous people in the world is just like the queen i thought it was a little bit odd that joe just assumes that jez has coached famous people um but yeah i think this might be the most ridiculous answer he could have possibly been given out of anyone in the world to go with the queen um but joe seems to buy it like even though he kind of looks surprised he he does kind of just seem to take it he asks a few questions, but he's kind of, he just says, oh, like, oh, wow, like, I just thought some, it was something you did kind of part-time, but he does kind of seem to just take it on board. I mean, I think Jeremy takes the lie too far, though, doesn't he? Because he's like, oh, it wasn't just me, it was part of, like, a group of life coaches that were, like, airlifted into Highgrove. I was like, I don't I don't know whether Joe does buy it, and I... I I'm talking completely sort of hypothetically, but I, 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 there must be an element of doubt in his mind as to whether that's actually true. I don't know. I just, by the look of his face and the, you know, what he was saying, I, I got the impression that he was surprised, but he was initially kind of on board for it. You've life coached the Queen. It wasn't just me. A small cadre of life coaches were airlifted into Highgrove. What was she like? She is outlandish. She's funny. She's saucy and she's got the filthiest laugh kind of <laughs> wow no offense jez i just thought your life coaching was maybe a part-time thing because you do it out of your bedroom <laughs> oh joe oh i have an office obvs whereabouts it's you know the um the office block on the corner of uh, cowper street yeah oh you do great yeah well it's, i have a place there i have to pay you a visit sometime <laughs> yep you do that this is just another small, insignificant lie I'll have to maintain until the day I die. There are a few episodes of Peep Show where it's like pictures you can hear and Jez doing the laugh, like the still of Jez doing the laugh is definitely something that's like a picture. <laughs> you know what noise is coming at the time that picture's happening. But yeah, they were talking about their busy days earlier and it turns out, you know, despite Jeremy in his monologue saying that he was just storage uh, storage wars uh, Worn at whipping a wank or something. Actually, he does have something to do, and surprisingly, it's played doubles tennis with Mark, April, and Angus. And you can see immediately Jeremy's kind of been—he's clearly been dragged against his will to play this game. Um, and we find out quite quickly that it was originally meant to just be Mark and April, um, but it turns out that 
uh, Angus has kind of like butt in and, and turned it into double. So Mark's been forced to kind of drag Jeremy along and he's making no effort whatsoever to hide his indifference to the game. And Mark's kind of having to like... Jez is so childlike in this, like the way he's like standing, holding his racket. I thought it was great. And Mark's he's telling in him, jeans like, and like, a t-shirt properly. as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just like, come on, take this seriously. <laughs> and Mark manages it. You, you said that one of our listeners pointed this out. Mark manages to serve out the match. And Angus is this really, I don't know whether it was Mark being good at tennis or Angus being so like awful to the point of ridiculousness. But I don't know what you thought about Mark playing tennis because we've kind of commented before about how sort of uh, unathletically inclined he is. Yeah, I was really surprised by how good Mark's first serve was. Like, I think there is an element where Angus... Angus, I've just watched the clip again, and he just he tries to hit it, like, completely square on. Like, he hasn't... The, the, the listener who said he should have taken it as a backhand, he didn't even really take it as a forehand. He just tried to sort of, like, scoop it back up. So I do think there's an element of him being bad at tennis, but Mark's first serve was still quite good. Yeah, for kind of an amateur, I guess it was okay. But yeah, Angus kind of really, I think, helps him out, definitely makes him look even better. Um, But yeah, so it turns out that they win the game um, and they're kind of wrapping up. Um, Mark's having a bit of a moan to Jeremy, as I mentioned earlier, that Angus is kind of always popping up to spoil his plans to kind of his attempts to spend one-on-one time with April um and i liked very typical mark fashion here he goes to quite an extreme length to kind of prevent that from happening he's kind of got wise to angus trying to butt in every time now mark steal his wife while he fetches the vectra so uh april there's um there's a talk on at the british academy on friday uh, andrew roberts doing a, a jam on world war one trench letters love amongst the mustard gas there's literally only two tickets left sadly because i bought the last eight and burnt the other six i'm a petty and vindictive individual and it's a key that i uh, <laughs> i do everything i can to make sure that i don't come across as one um so yeah they he reveals that he's yeah he's got these tickets to go and see a um a talk at the British Academy on Friday. And this is where I was talking to Tom before we started recording um, about the interesting fact I had about this episode. And months and months ago, I got a message from my cousin who um, lives in London. I don't know where he was living at the time, but he messaged me at about two o'clock in the morning um, and said to me, Rob, oh my God, you will like this. I'm at afters, like, like presumably an after party with a girl she's obsessed with peep show so she watched the whole thing with her dad season nine episode four comes up and it mentions him as he is the historian andrew roberts and she said he loved the show so much when his name was mentioned he was gassed as fuck close to the oh yeah and then he just says i'm close to the start (laughs) about that Um, but like he loved the fact that he was then referenced in a show that he really loved so presumably he didn't know that it was going to happen but i've just been waiting um for months to share that anecdote on the podcast literally i think <laughs> like july 17th of july was when my cousin messaged me that so that's been a a long time in the waiting that message but uh yeah it must be so cool <laughs> to definitely to get your name dropped presumably they didn't ask his permission to do it but um yeah absolute no. quality yeah, very, very cool to kind of be. Yeah, I suppose, actually, if you're a kind of, you know, in involved in history and things, actually, it must be quite cool because 
a, quite a lot of historians and you know academic writers and things get shout outs on peep shows it must be pretty cool to kind of like yeah especially if you're a fan of the show to kind of get your name dropped in an episode so very cool very cool story as well that you that you, was it your cousin was with this guy's daughter very kind of yeah strange yeah, like yeah, yeah. series of <laughs> events but very very cool then yeah only took about three or four months to kind of be able to tell this story but I remember you telling me that way back when that was yeah very very cool but yeah so Mark yeah says like let's go let's go to this and um April sort of <laughs> counters him by saying I'm going mole mapping which Mark sees as an ideal opportunity to to get her alone again and and take her out on some sort of strange date to go mole mapping um and I just I just love the awkwardness of this scene. I think like this is where we see more and more like April is the one for Mark. Like the her personality, the way she's sort of so uncomfortable and the things she's saying about what she did to her arm when she was worried that she had a new mole. Um and Mark in his internal monologue just says, Oh, April and your charming neuroses and you're like, Yeah, you are falling in love, or you've fallen in love, but like these little quirks are really sort of attracting you even more for her. Yeah, you'd think most people would kind of be hearing that and be like more worried than anything. But for Mark, it seems to be really endearing, which yeah, I think goes a long way to kind of in the case for April being the one. I think um, yeah, things like this and they they happen quite often, don't they? That kind of just reconfirms our suspicions that these two are probably the ones that are meant to kind of be together. But I thought. You know, April reveals that, you know, oh, not everyone's up for it, you know, because it's like having your genitals photographed. And I thought, like, is it worth it? Because presumably this isn't going to be, you know, a, a joint appointment with the pair of them kind of stripped naked being photographed and examined for moles because, well, obvious reasons. So he'd be spending very little time with her. And it's like not at all even in the slightest, like, romantic. Like, you talk about, oh, yeah, you know, they're both together getting naked and there's a camera involved, but, like, this is, like, the least fun you could possibly have with those, like, ingredients for a date. But also, like, even if they were doing it in the same room, which would be weird, you wouldn't... Even if you were a married couple, I can't imagine you would do it in the same room. No... But like, and what... I wouldn't want to. It's, just, oh, no. it's so like the way to take the romance and magic out of a relationship. Well, also like there are like there are, for Mark to think like the the counterbalance of the fact that oh, if I did do it in the same room as her, I might get to see her naked would surely be offset by the fact that she would have to see him naked as well, which I can't imagine he'd be entirely comfortable with. Mm, in that scenario not like (laughs) yeah not in that scenario rather than necessarily like in the midst of passion yeah totally yeah i thought it was very weird like quite an extreme you know length to go to to spend even like the shortest period of time with but clearly he's you know he's getting desperate angus has been thwarting him at every opportunity um so i guess beggars can't be choosers and he's gonna take what he can get (laughs) Yeah, and things aren't going any better for for Jeremy. To be fair, he's he's life coaching, not the Queen this time, not even not even Jensen Button, but he's he's life coaching, he's life coaching Megan, and it's this is one of my favorite episodes, five favorite scenes of this episode. I think the the interaction where he's like, 
how are you feeling today? And she's like, like a piece of shit because you, because <laughs> you, <laughs> you fucked my boyfriend and then you stole my boyfriend. <laughs> and you're like, what were you hoping to achieve here? <laughs> You've let her into your nah, flat. Well, yeah, and she's clearly not here for life coaching. She is popping round just to like have a massive go at him. And it's quite clear she's been thinking about what she wants to say because she is just incredibly cutting here like she just gets to the very core of jeremy's soul it's just like it is brutal and unfortunately he just kind of has to shut up and take it because he's on the clock and she's incredibly articulate with it as well she's not just yeah swearing at him and, and having a go at him she's just i mean she starts off by saying i fucking hate you jeremy but then she goes off on this whole like rant um, which, like you said, does really cut him to the core. Fucking hate you, Jeremy. You are unmanly, and you are basically uninteresting. And you hide behind this mask of like slacker bullshit. Like the fact you've never done anything with your life is some kind of Gen X lifestyle choice. When really, it's just because you're a small, talentless worm. Hunker down, Jeremy, into the brain bunker. And you don't deserve Joe because I've been with him, and he fucks like a dinosaur. You fuck like a little child. Like an eight-year-old that's just been told off for sucking its thumb. Okay, that's all we've got time for today. No, it isn't. We've still got 48 minutes left. Unless you don't want me to pay you for the full session. Let's just dive back in, shall we? Back into the cesspool. I'm going to make you cry, Jeremy. I'm going to make you cry delicious tears. And then I'm going to collect those tears in a little silver bowl. And I'm going to drink them all. I love the fact, by the way, that Jeremy at this point doesn't halt it. Like, he, she's obviously paying him for a life coaching session. At this point, I'm like, no money is worth me sitting, just getting absolutely annihilated by this woman who hates me, who not 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago, I was in bed with. <laughs> and now <Yeah>. she's absolutely <laughs> ruining every fibre of my being. And he's just basically like, ah, oh, back into the cesspool. Um, and she's like, I'm going to make you cry. I'm going to make you cry delicious tears. And then I'm going to collect those tears in a little silver bowl. And I'm going to drink them all up. And she does this really creepy, <laughs> like, cat, like, licking the thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so dark, isn't it? <laughs> it really reminded me. Um, I don't, you've not watched much South Park, have you? I've probably watched about three episodes of South Park in my entire life. Yeah, there's a very famous episode that's called Scott Tenorman Must Die, and there's a fantastic scene that in that episode that really reminded me, um, this scene in Peep Show really reminded me, because there's a, a moment where Cartman, um, is, it, I won't go into the whole plot, but he kind of makes another kid cry, and he's like licking the kid's face so he can drink <laughs> their tears, and it's like really, really dark moment. It's like horrific, the things that Cartman does to make this kid cry. And it just, yeah, I don't know, watching Megan's face, just like, she's like miming it out, isn't she? Like cupping her hands and then, yeah, yeah, doing that kind of licking like an animal. It's just so, so dark, but it's brilliant. Yeah, which is a real sort of juxtaposition to Mark then coming back slightly later with a real excitement that he's managed to get the slot immediately after April's to go mole mapping together. And, and, and Jeremy is clearly, and we've seen this so many times, one of them coming in with really good news and the other one just there just to bring them down. Mark, can I ask you something? And I want you to be honest. Am I a shit? Absolutely, you're a shit. Milk's gone. So I am. I'm a shit. Oh, you're a shit, Jeremy. 
You are the shit on my shoe. I'm a total shit. A giant, walking, talking, anthropomorphized shit on stilts. A shit for all seasons. The shit man of Europe. What a total, total shit. Well, I've enjoyed this, Jeremy. It's pepped me up. It really has. Yeah, it was funny because, like, we were talking about Megan being kind of, like, razor sharp with her insults, whereas Mark is kind of... He's incredibly blunt. It's kind of like slightly different where, you know, Megan kind of, like we say, cut really to his core, whereas Mark is just like, yeah, you're a massive shit. <laughs> and just, he's like, and you're a shit because of this. You're a sh this kind of shit. You're that kind of shit. It's just like a shit for all seasons. And um, you get the sense that Mark kind of enjoyed that quite a bit as well, like Megan did. Yeah, and I think, like, Jeremy's just sort of coming to the realisation that he's maybe... Like, he's looking at other people's lives, and he says, doesn't he, he's like, Joe's a really successful, cool guy, and I'm just somebody who basically wanks into a flannel. Yeah, and that's the moment, isn't it, where the conversation really turns, because Mark is, yeah, Jeremy's trying to get a little bit deep again, he's having a bit of a crisis, but Mark is just fixating on this news, that, hold on a minute, I'm sorry, what did you just say? You're like, you're jazzing onto the flannels, and so he's kind of really fixates on that, it's like... I'm just a waster floating through life, jazzing into the flannel, and Joe, he's like this great guy, cool job. Sorry, you jazz into the flannel. Oh, don't be so fucking parochial, Mark. I'm laying it out there. The inner churn, the workings of man, and you're hung up on whose jizz ends up in what bit of cloth. Which flannel, Jeremy? I don't know. I can't be expected to remember where it all goes. Right. Which flannel have you jazzed on? Answer the fucking question. It is the sort of thing that, like, Mark is definitely going to fixate on. Um, like, I'm not worried about you clearly having some sort of, well, it's not even a midlife crisis at this point, is it? But like, you're clearly having a bit of a crisis. You're, you're, you're almost trying to think about turning a corner. And he says to Mark, like, I'm growing up. I'm going to stop flinging my, flinging my jizz hither and yon. And I'm going to get an office. I'm going <laughs> to like, take this seriously. Um, and Mark is just, I'm going to go and boil wash my face. Like, I'm not interested in what you're, what you have to say at all. <laughs> um, no, and, yeah, you're absolutely right. So we move forward to, to later on in that, presumably still the same day, and uh, Jez is with Super Hands, and they're heading off to what Hans has described as a gastropub, but Jez is sort of saying... Well, Jez says when he arrives, like, this doesn't look very gastropubby. And I have to agree, like, the first shot of this pub, it does not look very, very pub-like at all. A very, sort of, gastropub-like at all. Yeah, no, definitely agree with that. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that Jez has just kind of had this sort of realisation and is talking about turning a corner, but the first thing he does is go down a bit of a shady pub with hands, like the least kind of, you know, the worst kind of role model he has to look up to. Um, and it turns out that he's, we're quite right to think that because Hans has sort of orchestrated this accidental run-in with an old friend of his um, as we're introduced to the rather dodgy-looking Wadey. Jez, this is Wadey, mate of mine from Halford's days. All right. Actually, Jez, it's lucky you're here, because um, Mr Wadey's been off working at uh, Centre Parks. Isn't that right, Wadey? Yeah, that's right, Hans. I've been working at Centre Parks. Yeah, but he's been made redundant, sadly, and I'm thinking maybe you could have a little chat with him. Oh, is this about your self-esteem? Yeah, because I always think self-esteem is a lot like actual steam. You can't see it, but it definitely exists. Um, but clearly that's not what Wadey's there for. And Wadey says, like, you know your mate Mark? You know his swipe card that gets him into the 
into the back of the bank. I I want that. And uh, Jeremy just looks over at hand. It's like quick, quick natter. They go over and Jeremy's clearly, obviously as you would be, sort of taken aback. And he's like, "Is he a fucking bank robber?" And Hans is like, "He's not a bank robber, Jeremy. He's a burglar." So like, I feel, I feel like the 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 difference between that is greater in your mind than it is in reality, Super Hans. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. It also, Hans kind of comes out. He says like, "Oh, I, he needs this because he needs money to make some sort of grand gesture for Molly." And Jess quite rightly points out, you know, like you literally just got married. Like they're apparently they're just back from their honeymoon, and so their relationship on the rocks already. I it got me wondering, like, you think Hans has been coking again, or or she's just realised that he isn't this kind of sweet. Um move, move, move any mountain guy. That yeah, she, um... what was it? The, the truest of men, the kindest, most generous of men. <laughs> and he is the opposite of all of those things. So I don't even necessarily know whether he has been back on the drugs again or whether she's just realised that he's just a bit of a, a knob. Um, but for things to go toxic mm. that quickly, that he's having to do this massive grand gesture to try and win around, unless it hasn't been as toxic as, she's, as he's making out to Jez... Um, we're maybe reading too much into that but like yeah for things to have gone toxic that quickly is a little bit worrying Mm, yeah but jeremy you know he actually manages to refuse this offer to help him out and you know help rob slash burgle this bank um he tells hans no look you know getting my life together now um and i thought eh fair play jeremy kind of at least you know baby steps but you know in prior series he would have probably signed himself up for this yeah, I do wonder, though, whether... Because Hans initially says, I'm going to compensate you with five figures. And I'm like, five figures could be anything up to, like, £99,000. So, like, Jeremy would definitely have done it if Hans had offered him, like, ten grand. Absolutely no shadow of a doubt. But then when he's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's five figures total, three figures actual, I'm like, you're not going to risk all of that for, like the most it could be is £999. Like, you're not going to risk all of that for such little gain. That wouldn't even pay for two months or three months rent on this um, office that he goes to look at. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, yeah, so we kind of... We're left with Jeremy kind of turning him down and we move over to Mark and April on their dermatological date. They've just finished having their bodies intensely scrutinised and photographed. Um, and they're having a, a chat about it afterwards uh, before the conversation turns to Angus and April reveals that she's starting to worry about him a bit because he's falling back into sort of his old behaviours um, when he had a bit of a crisis about writing this book about the Byzantine church and apparently he got all worked up about it last time um, and he's kind of displaying similar behaviours um, and it turns out that he actually abandoned her and left the country for several months. Um, and so she's worried that he's going to perhaps do a runner on her again. And this is music to Mark's ears. Yeah, and the, the things that he did are so weird. Like, it is the sign of, like, a proper, like, mental breakdown of, like... A few years back, he became totally obsessed with writing a book about the Byzantine church, but for the general reader. It had to be for the general reader. He was really very insistent about that. How interesting. Do I detect a mental defect? Next thing I know, he's gone off to Turkey for five months, checked himself into a hostel in Marmaris. He cut these kind of tram lines into his hair. 
He'd written the Nicene Creed all over his legs. April, that, that's awful. I smell it, the sweet stench of weakness. Maybe he's going back to that. I don't know, maybe I'm losing him again. All aboard the Coconut Express, next stop Looney Town. It's proper weird. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, for Mark, it's ding, 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 it's kind of great news, and he, it, you know, it's just more ammo, isn't it, for him, because he got to witness in the last episode there was a bit of a bust-up between them, and here he is again. Like, all he seems to have to do is just kind of spend a bit of time with April, and she just kind of comes out with all this stuff. She almost can't help herself, like, spilling the information, kind of their inner secrets as a, as a couple, and Mark is just like, yeah, brilliant, more weaknesses for me to exploit, and, you know, we're going to... Fast forward a little bit when he's with Angus. You know, Angus is quite, you know, he's very similar. It's very clever, I think, how Mark, and we'll talk, touch on this as we go through, but, like, it's very clever how Mark just exploits these weaknesses. It's very calculated, and we've seen him do it with other things before where he's used things that people have told him. Like, he does it with, with Gerard, doesn't he, where he, he tells Dobby that Gerard's been masturbating over her core food pictures even though it was him <laughs> like he's used yes a moment of weakness against somebody else he's very clever when it comes to that i'm i'm not sure whether it makes me respect him more or respect him less but either way what I he's just think... learned from april is going to be very pivotal moving forward yeah i mean it's clever but clever in a way that like a sociopath is clever <laughs> well yeah we've talked plenty of times haven't we about whether mark is a sociopath yeah, and I think this is a uh, a big tick in the yes column. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about it more when he, he's with Angus. But yeah, this is definitely the start of... And he, he's he's going to show no signs of, of stopping anytime soon. But yeah, we, we leave Mark and April behind. We find Jeremy is checking out an office space. Um, he, yeah, we mentioned earlier that he'd lied to Joe about having a proper office earlier. And it's clear that Jeremy hasn't been to many offices before because he's amazed by things that are just very, you know, <laughs> unnoteworthy, like plug sockets that you can find in the floor. And But apparently to him, that's just like sorcery. Yeah, and then when the guy says it's £400 a calendar month, like that's fairly reasonable, I would have thought. Like, especially in London, for even for a small office... Like, paying £400 uh, uh, yeah. pounds seems really I cheap. Thought very reasonable, yeah. And it looks like quite a large office as well. I mean, I've yeah. never privately rented an office, but I thought that seemed like a pretty good deal. But Jeremy is just totally outraged. Great. I love this office. It's £400 per calendar month. Four? 400 Fuck my mouth! I, I, it's funny, like, I don't know about you, but when... My brain is now kind of like hardwired to expect, like when someone says like four, yes, which Jeremy yes. does, he's like four, four hundred. I was just like, my brain is hardwired to expect like that to be followed by that's insane. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. So when it doesn't happen here, it's kind of like, oh, that was a bit weird. But maybe that's just because we've watched Peep Show so many times. And I don't know whether. Sam and Jesse wrote this with that deliberate... Because even the intonation of the way he goes, four, like, that yeah. is exactly the same way that Mark says it. So I do wonder whether that was a deliberate... Yeah, perhaps like, it was. Um, ...scripting of that. But yeah, so Jez clearly realises he's not going to be able to afford this rather simple-looking office, but for a very, very simple price. 
Support for Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. So why do you need Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0? Well, we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions. Whether it's Nick's cuts and grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster. Not with the Lawnmower 4.0. After using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lawnmower 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So, if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lawnmower 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world, and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Um, and we then move forward to what we were talking about earlier, where Mark is now out on a on somewhat of a date with Angus. Yeah, so he's kind of putting this intel that he just got from April to good use. He's kind of, yeah, it all seems very innocent, just hanging out with my mate Angus. Um, but it's a sort of a mandate that's designed to torture the poor bastard. As um, they're, they were having a nice little stroll, Angus brings up the the fact that they went mole mapping together, he and April, and I think Mark initially panics, thinking that, oh, crap, kind of like he's on to me, which is what we, we were touching on at the, at the start of the episode. Angus seems very kind of, very calm about how much time that, you know, these two are spending together. He doesn't seem worried about it at all. Um, but that's quickly replaced by the fact that uh, he wants to ask Mark instead whether he would uh, consider going for a colonoscopy with him. And I I didn't know whether... Because this was the first time where I thought, yeah, hang on a minute, like, how, you know, foolish is Angus being here? But do you think that maybe it could just be that Angus just doesn't consider Mark a threat at all? Like, and do, do you think he should consider Mark a threat? I mean... They've they've had their problems, but they are married. Yeah, I don't know whether. I don't know is the honest answer. I I think that Angus would be naive to not consider Mark a threat. Like Angus is clearly a lot older than April, and a young sort of Ish. not necessarily. <laughs> well, yeah, young, yeah. But like somebody of a similar age to her who has similar interests. And let's face it, the chances are the thing that got Angus and April together in the first place was their love of history. Let's just take that probably as a given. There's a younger, probably slightly more sort of live life type character that um, I'm not suggesting Mark is, but in comparison to Angus, he might well be. um, That Angus might think, oh, do you know what? Like he might be a little bit of a threat. I don't think he's necessarily doing this, like you said at the beginning, to be sort of keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. I don't think he he's, he's thinking about it like that. I just think April and Angus have an incredibly dysfunctional marriage and Angus is a very weird guy. 
<laughs> yeah. To me, it kind of seemed more like Angus doesn't really have a sense of what he's up against in Mark. And we mentioned only a few moments ago that Mark is kind of like sociopathic in the way that he's exploiting the information that he gets out of both of these, uh, both sides of the couple. And I think Angus, yeah, is kind of a bit unaware. Obviously, we've had nine series now of seeing Mark up to his tricks. And this is kind of like Mark at maximum power here in the way he's kind of playing them off each other. And it is, it's like, you know, artistry, the way that, that Mark plays this. It's like absolutely perfect because he manages to just quickly change topics and then before you know it he's luring Angus on that innocent stroll they pass by the church and he does a little clever sort of feigning ignorance manages to get Angus to correct him on whether it's you know Greek or Russian um, the church and before you know it they're kind of Mark is leading him down memory lane and trying to kind of reignite his passion for this old project about writing a book um, all about the the Byzantine church for the, the general reader. And Mark knows exactly what he's doing, doesn't he? Even in his head, he's like, put on the tap shoes, quick dance on his grave, as he's kind of just letting this all play out. But it's all very well um, orchestrated from Mark. Well, he even says, like, loser buys the ploughman. You better enjoy it because it'll be the last meal you'll have as a sane man. Like, he knows how... And how easy it is, like just literally by saying to him at the outside, "Oh, I think that's a um, that's a Russian Orthodox church, isn't it?" Knowing full well that that's just the the kryptonite to to Angus, and that he's going to just fall back into this deep like dive that he went on last time. Um, and this is again like, although it's not one of my favourite episodes, this does have some really cracking scenes in it. And the scene inside the church is another one of my favourites. Yeah, and I think that is where part of the struggle comes in for Mark, because even though, you know, he's playing this kind of a very, you know, well played out game, but at the same time, his kind of admiration for Angus kind of keeps getting in the way a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and he says, doesn't he, he's like, mustn't, like, uh, words along the effect of, I mustn't get sucked in, like, this is genuinely interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> as, as Angus is sort of rambling about the, the main differences, like, there's very little difference before Mark then says, do you know what, is there a, is there a comprehensive... Um, History of the Byzantine Church, you could recommend, you know, for the the general reader, literally quoting sort of verbatim what April has said to him <laughs> yeah. less than a day ago. And um, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic how quickly Angus... It's, su it's such a... I don't want to use the word pretentious because I've got a history degree, but like, it's such a pretentious conversation to be having where they're like in terms of praxis the difference between russian and greek just comes down to order of service put on the tap shoes quick dance on his grave and is there a comprehensive history of the byzantine church you could recommend you know for, for the general reader okay i'm going to surprise you here mark and say no there isn't unless you include john julius norwich's so-called history of byzantium and i don't doesn't that just seem Insane. No, it does seem a little nutty. This isn't horrible. I'm just encouraging him. Follow your dream, Angus. All the way into the big mind mincer. And the only first-hand account we have is, as you'll know, Martin of Opava's Chronicon Pontificum et Imperatorum. And frankly, it's a pamphlet. It's 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 so limited in scope as to be almost worthless. Ninety-nine percent of the audience are just like, 
who is that? What is that? What does that mean? Yeah, and to be fair, and like I said, I've got a history degree and I didn't recognise half of the names that he was talking about. I don't think I recognised any of them. <laughs> no, but for, for Mark, it's almost like, yeah, this is actually really, really interesting. Hold on a minute, I'm kind of getting lost and I, I need to go back to my plan of trying to steal your wife. Yeah, and this is where he says, no, don't get sucked in, otherwise it's going to be me and Angus sleeping in a Turkish hostel, reading scripture and getting rectal exams. Yeah, and speaking of which, yeah, so we then, the next scene, we get, we follow Mark back home, and he's then put face, well, not face to face, face to arse, <laughs> with a, we get, he takes out his kind of, the images from his, um, I think he calls it a full body ordnance survey, um, and we get a look at Mark's arse, um, I wondered, do you think that's actually David Mitchell's arse, or do you think they got kind of like a a double in, like a butt double? I think I've asked this before. I'm fairly sure I've asked this on social media. I'm actually just loading up our Twitter. Asked who? (laughs) I think I put something out on Twitter saying, do you think... Oh, the ultimate peep show unanswered question. Do we think this is actually David's arse from the mole mapping episode? Um, someone <laughs> said the one question you should have asked in the interview you did with him. Hey, yeah, damn. Someone just tagged Victoria Corrin Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out I tweeted David Mitchell in response to it, just saying, David, is this your bum? Which, unsurprisingly, <laughs> he did not reply to. Um, I did wonder whether... I, did, I think I tried to, ask, um, tried to ask Sam and Jesse whether it was his bum... Um, and I don't think I got a response from them, which was slightly disappointing. I'd like to think that it is, but I mean, realistically, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna guess that it's probably not. No, yeah, I would, I would yeah lean that way myself as well. Um, so yeah, Mark gets a you know a little inspection of his own ass, but he's quite quickly interrupted by Jeremy, who's come in brandishing his loan statement letter, um, and he's finally kind of you know clicked you know the the loan that mark sold him actually isn't uh all that wonderful and he's quite rightly outraged blames mark for ruining his uh the his plans for getting an office space saying that you know that's all ruined now there's no way i can afford this and his kind of response to all that is that he decides to threaten mark with uh the ombudsman who jez seems to kind of believe is this like he kind of describes him as like the Grim Reaper, doesn't he? He's kind of like this folklore legend. <laughs> well, guess what? I've got one word for you. Ombudsman. <laughs> I'm going to the ombudsman. So if there's a bang at the door and you answer it, and there's a man in a stovepipe hat with a long hooky stick, that's him. The ombudsman. The ombudsman isn't a person, Jeremy. It's a toothless regulatory body made up of junior and often very obliging civil servants. One eye open, Mark. The ombudsman's coming to get you. But like, you know when you're so frustrated about something and like you're talking to somebody when you're clearly really, really angry and like the last time he does this, he goes, the ombudsman's coming to get you like he he's there's so much like venom venom in his voice 
Like <laughs> he could not be saying it like any more viciously. Uh, whilst Mark is like, you do realize it's not a person; it is just like a toothless regulatory or organization made up of junior and obliging civil servants. And Jeremy's just yeah. not listening. <laughs> No, he's convinced that, yeah, death is going to come knocking at Mark's door and he's going to, you know, he's there to punish all the bad people in the world. But, yeah, Jeremy's probably never even heard of the Ombudsman before today, whereas Mark is someone who probably has, you know, dealings with them working in finance for however many years he has. So, um, yeah, good luck with that, Jez. But I think Mark's going to be, yeah, he's not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, no, but like Jeremy's veins are like popping on his neck. Like that's how angry he is. I've just paused the screen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely raging. Yeah, and I mean, we talked, didn't we? You know, was it was it in the first episode of this series? Like when Mark sold him that loan. I mean, it yeah. was brutal. Like I know he was mad at him back then for everything that went on with Dobby. But like we said, like this would screw Jeremy over, and it has. Like Jeremy was actually trying to kind of get his life together a little bit. I mean, who knows how long it would have lasted, but he was taking steps to be like a proper person, quote, and get an office and kind of make a, you know, a go of it professionally. Um, And this is, you know, this is how he's been rewarded is by, yeah, Mark's kind of vicious revenge has, um, has, yeah, had a real serious, um, you know, consequences. But Mark's not thinking of consequences as he is uh, whining and dining April, which... The more these things happen, the more I'm just like, this is a really odd behaviour of... And I, I guess that maybe April sees Mark as a bit of a confidant rather than any sort of, at this stage, any sort of romantic interest. Um, and she's clearly like opening up about her marital sort of woes and, and following Mark's um, little escapade earlier with, with Angus. Angus is clearly starting to fall off the wagon once more. But I do think it's really bizarre that like her first port of call is to run to Mark, somebody she's only really been reacquainted with for like the past couple of weeks, maybe a month or so that she's that much of a, like, or that he's that much, he's that much of a, a confidant to her that, that she, he's her first port of call. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a good point. Actually, I suppose but April doesn't really strike me as the type who has like a lot of close friends who she, she would kind of be, willing to kind of share that kind of private information and I wonder if maybe the fact that you know her and Mark kind of are kindred spirits perhaps she just feels a bit safer around him maybe I might be reading too much into it but that's kind of how I took it and as well like you think actually even though it was only for a day like her relationship with Mark kind of does go back like a fairly long time so and they they spent a magical night kind of cuddling. <laughs> um, so maybe she does feel like she can kind of lower her guard a little bit more around Mark. Yeah, and this is where it's dangerous to lower your guard around Mark because Mark once again shows his quite sociopathic sort of tendencies and first of all flips the um, the the story of what happened earlier and basically says... I took him for a walk and he spotted this church and had to go inside it rather than the way that mm. it actually actually happened. Um, he then also uses what Angus has previously said to him about how April just wants to sort of go crazy and, and take drugs, whereas he wants to um, have um, Herodotus and a bowl of muesli. And then once again, Mark uses the exact, almost quotes verbatim, the exact thing that the other person has said. And like you said that earlier, didn't you? Like that he's just literally playing them off against each other when he says, I just want to throw my hands up and say, 
let's take drugs and go crazy. Um, and, and April's face is sort of one of quite quite a lot of shock. Yeah, and I mean, Mark is just is expert, isn't he? How he's kind of playing them off each other. Every little bit that he's, you know, if information he's getting, he's putting to great use. And yeah, before we know it, it's kind of like everything that, you know, Angus does to annoy you. Like, I'm the complete opposite. And so, yeah, I'm all about kind of throwing my hands up in the air and let's take drugs and go crazy. Um, I thought it was quite a nice... Well, maybe not, maybe nice is the wrong word, but kind of a neat, kind of like tied it together nicely, a, a good callback um, to, I'm we're presuming the, the, the coke that they're taking, Mark does mention it's from Hans's stag, but this is presumably the the stash that Jez took and went to plant on Jerry. I just thought that was quite a nice, a very tidy explanation as to like why there would be class A drugs in the flat that Mark could use. I had forgotten about that. I'd also forgotten that the drugs... I'd never even picked up on the fact that the drugs that Jez had were ones that would have come from hands that he then planted on Jerry. I just presumed Jez had coke on him. <laughs> no, yeah, I thought it was very kind of nicely tied together. Almost kind of, yeah, like four episodes, you know, built, this coke has kind of made its way around where it's conveniently in the, you know... Mark has access to it um, just when he needs it. So, yeah, I thought that was very kind of tidily done because those things, it would be, yeah, totally bizarre for Mark to suddenly have access to Coke. But, yeah, it's kind of fallen in his lap. Um, But one thing I did want to touch on is that this... When Mark takes this Coke, he becomes like a totally different person, doesn't he? And I know that... You know, we presume that Mark's never taken coke before. He faked the the E tab, didn't he? He did smoke a bit of weed at the the flat party, um, but it just got me thinking that you know we've never seen him do something quite like this. Like taking coke is, you know, Mark's very anti drugs, thinks it's all ridiculous, and um, but he's using it again. He's kind of altering his personality, isn't he? For the woman that he's chasing after um and i just thought that was interesting you probably wouldn't expect april to be that sort of person that would want to you know throw their hands up take drugs and go crazy um but just like sophie just like dobby you know mark actually seems to have kind of a bit of a type doesn't he of like drug users with a heart of gold (laughs) it's a bit bit weird but i just I, i was a bit worried that mark was kind of changing who he was to kind of appease April. Yeah, sort of the one person that we've always said he doesn't really need to... And he said... I know he said it about Dobby, but like he's basically alluded to the fact he doesn't really need to alter his personality around her at all. So yeah, the fact that he's having to snort drugs, which he has made eight series or eight and a half series worth of points of saying, I don't agree with drugs, to then sort of kowtow to it quite, quite easily is a little bit disappointing but maybe maybe is a reflection of how he truly feels about April and actually we should we should reward that rather than and be happy that he's willing to do that to, to make <laughs> the woman of his dreams happy there is a moment where April does admit that she hasn't taken drugs since uni so perhaps this you know apparently you know Angus said oh sometimes she's like let's take drugs and go crazy clearly she's never actually followed through on that while she's been with Angus um, so perhaps Mark's actually a little bit foolish to kind of, you know, use that intel. But we can't, I guess he can't really complain too much because it 
it works, doesn't it? It does the job. I feel completely normal. But also, a bit like I want to karate chop my hand through a very high stack of poppadoms. You could hold up a, a kima naan and I could punch my fist through it. Kung food! <laughs> <laughs> I have never been this intensely funny. Angus would never do this unless we talked about it and tabled it with our therapist and dissected it to death. Oh, tedious. Because I found this cruise, OK? Three months in the med, just what we need. God, she's trying to patch things up with Angus. God, my teeth are dry. Cocktails, six meals a day, bad karaoke. He said no. April, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. First time I've ever said it. You've got to live in the moment, because right now I feel like staying up all night or running to Thornton Heath or throwing my iPad out the window. Go on, man. Yeah? I mean, which? Because I'll do it. iPad. Yeah, because it's just an iPad. I mean, what is it, really? Just some very thin microchips. Go on. I'm, I'm going to do it. Don't you think I should do it? I'm totally doing it. Should I do it? You should totally do it. I'm totally doing it. Regretting act of spontaneity before I've completed act of spontaneity. Bye-bye! Fuck you, iPad! I can't believe you just did that. I know. You're like the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Mark. <laughs> Mark Smash! <laughs> she thinks I'm funny. Mark Smash! <laughs> <laughs> Mark's laugh, which seemed to just kind of be born last episode, is kind of carried through into this one. He's laughing like a madman again. Yeah, I wonder where, where David Mitchell sort of discovered that, because I've never heard him laugh like that before on any sort of like, on any panel shows, or obviously previously as Mark. So to hear that sort of like, I can't even describe, it's not a, a cackle, is it? But like, an a, a, like sort of like psychotic laugh almost, like a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> It is kind of creepy, but it turns out that apparently throwing your iPad out of the window, well, we get that great line, don't we? Regretting active spontaneity before I've completed active spontaneity, which I thought is kind of peak mark, and you're hearing, you know, the monologue internally versus what he's saying, and again, it is kind of... It does make you think how much he's faking this behaviour because his thoughts are kind of contradicting his actions there. He does seem a bit aware of, like, what he's doing and how kind of sober mark like wouldn't be doing this um but it works because before we know it april i do it looks like april does kind of initiate this she seems to lean in first and uh, and they kiss yeah definitely and again i i slowed this down earlier when i was watching it she definitely is the one who sort of leans in yeah no i i got that impression as well it does seem like she kind of goes into it um and i think realizing what she's done she kind of quite quickly you know makes her excuses and, and heads out but for mark it's kind of like i don't think he would have really expected to kind of get that far but he's kind of living in dreamland now and he's he's being rewarded for all his sociopathic kind of game playing isn't he um so yeah well done mark i guess in a kind of horrible way um but we arrive the next day presumably um and in after seeing his dreams of the getting the office kind of obliterated jeremy has decided you know what screw it i'm gonna help out hans and wady and he offers to give them mark's bank card so he can uh, perform the robbery um but he 
He tells Hans to tell Wadey, like, no shooting mark, and that's an absolute red line before internally reflecting, like, I'm such a good friend, I've really <laughs> stuck my neck out for Mark there, which I thought was just, like, incredible for so many reasons that Jez really thinks he's a good person for for betraying Mark that way. But um, it turns out Wadey doesn't even need the bank card anymore because he's already on his way to rob the bank. Let's just say young Mr. Wade's attempts not to rob Mark's bank have taken a surprise and unexpected turn. Like what? He's basically doing it right now. Hang on, but he's not actually going to do it, though. Well, it's hard to tell with Wadey. Don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a teddy bear, but uh, he's a violent teddy bear. You said he was harmless. Well, he's more than one thing, Jeremy. He's harmless, he's deadly. He's a devil, he's a saint. He's happy, he's furious. He's got a multiple personality disorder, basically. Shit. Right. Text Pubman, tell him not to shoot Mark. I've got to warn him. What if he's already shot him? What if he's wounded him? God, imagine Mark in a wheelchair. He'll be insufferable. So Jeremy scuttles out of the um, the cafe that they're in and quickly tries to make his way to the bank where Mark is, first of all, being... Um, I love this sort of um, scene where, where Jerry, who obviously we didn't see in the last episode, uh, but makes his return here as he just walks over to Mark's desk and just um knocks like his papers off the uh off the side of his desk. Yeah, there's a wonderfully kind of bitchy uh oops as he does yeah. it smiling before he kind of walks off. Yeah, it's nice to see Jerry again. It's a shame we don't really actually see that much of Jerry, um but he kind of he plays his part well. Um as Angus arrives at the bank, he wants to ask Mark for a loan so that he and April can go on the cruise that she actually... We didn't touch on this. Uh, April did mention that she wanted to go on a cruise um, with Angus to kind of, you know, patch things up. Clearly, Angus is now on board about it because um, he wants the loan to pay for it. And as we know, Mark is, you know, he probably perhaps saw that this cruise was an obstacle he would have to overcome um, and it turns out he can you know he can have a real impact on whether this goes ahead because he you know he's the guy that he's coming to for the money and so obviously decides to try and foil those plans by telling him that his his credit score is quote subgrecian i need a loan 5k i think i'm losing april and and she wants this cruise i don't know i feel like if we go away together that might fix everything sure sure it might well let me just enter your details into the system look at me i'm entering his details into the system telephone telephone sunglasses smiley face crucifix and enter oh angus your credit rating is frankly sub grecian but i have mortgage statements mate i'm I'm sorry, it's a no. Three-way spite feast. No commission for me, no cruise for April, no marriage for Angus. Nobody's happy, but in a way, you know, Mark kind of likes it that way, doesn't he? He kind of gets his weird, sick pleasure out of everyone being miserable. It's kind of him all over, isn't it? Well, he just says, and it tastes great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what he lives for. Um... So, yeah, the the the... Um, the final nail in Mark's coffin, having seen Angus and Jerry, Jeremy now walks in and um, just says, I need five quite intense minutes with you right now um, and reveals to Mark <laughs> a very slim possibility that a bank robber is heading into the bank like right now, um, which obviously Mark, Mark sort of just sort of looks around as, as Jeremy said, like act normal and 
Jeremy reveals the details of this this terrible plan that's going to be happening. Um, and I love the fact that Jeremy says, it's all right, because I told Hans to tell him, no shooting Mark. <laughs> yeah, it really stuck his neck out for him, didn't he? Yeah, which obviously, he, you know, despite telling him that apparently he's not going to shoot Mark, Mark's not interested in that. He wants to kind of... He, he tries to find the panic button, doesn't he, under his desk, but he can't do so. And he's stressing that, you know, why can't you find the panic button when you're panicking? Um, so instead, he and Jeremy just decide to kind of abandon the scene, don't they? They leave poor Angus behind. And although Mark seemed, you know, he kind of expressed a little bit of worry about leaving him there, but not so worried to kind of do anything about it. And I wondered whether there was kind of any part of Mark's brain that hoped Angus got shot. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I don't know whether Mark is that sociopathic. I, I think he 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 wishes ill upon Angus, but I don't think he wishes death upon. Him. No, I, yeah, I don't think he would go as far as like actually like actively wishing it. But I would definitely think it crossed his mind about like whether that would be a good thing before then go. Oh yeah, probably. You know, I shouldn't wish that. But maybe get shot in the arm or something. Something that would kind of. You know, you'd need to go to hospital for a little while. Nothing too serious, but kind of like got him out of the way for a bit so he could spend more time with April. I think that would be very Mark. But they don't go too far away when they do leave the bank. They don't initially go to the coffee shop. They just stand outside the bank. And it's only when Jeremy (laughs) then looks in and he sees Wadey there in the queue that he says, right, we need to get out of here. He's quite obviously going to shoot everyone. Yeah, so they head to this uh, nearby cafe, don't they? They kind of just leave everyone behind not seeming to care whether there's a massacre or not. Instead, they decide to order some food. Um, but while they're doing so, uh, we get a call from Joe, who we haven't seen since the, the start of the episode. Um, but he has been busy visiting Jeremy's, quote, office. Um, but apparently nobody knows who he is, um, which causes Jeremy to kind of panic and come up with this quite painful lie about the fact that oh the, the queen needed me and uh, he asks mark to do a prince philip which initially mark goes to do and then just realizes like i'm not doing a prince philip um <laughs> and, and and jez has to sort of be like oh no he's he's famously flighty and this is where his life sort of comes crumbling down with like you're not really a high grove are you and and jeremy rather than just being like no fair enough he continues the lie and uh, and joe and joe hangs up yeah, clearly unimpressed. Um, but out of nowhere, we get Johnson arriving, which is always a pleasure. Mark, what the hell are you doing over here? Oh, hi, Alan. Just on a quick coffee run. Oh, really? Hanging out with your little buddy, mm, playing conkers with your little chum. Get back to work. What about my coffee? I'll bring it. Exit, Mark. I love the way that he, like, when he's sending Mark on his way, he can't help but kind of correct his tie and, like, sharpen him up a little bit. But at the same time, he's giving Mark and Jez this, like, death look. Yeah, and I love the tone of voice he has when he's like, exit, Mark. Like, he's just like, yeah. get on your bike and go. And I just, I always enjoy, ever since the big Susan Johnson sort of fling, the the disdain for which uh, Johnson holds Mark no doesn't hold Mark in holds Jeremy in sorry and just looks over at Jeremy with like <laughs> uh, you're still a pathetic shit on my shoe and it, I mean it's great to see Johnson I thought it was a bit of a shame that it's it's literally like the last minute of the episode which I thought was a little bit strange and like he's only in it for 
what, 30 seconds maybe? Um, so it, it did make me wonder whether there was a deleted scene that he was, you know, that he was perhaps originally in more of this episode. I I did a little bit of searching, but unfortunately I couldn't find one. Um, so, I, yeah, I thought it was a little bit weird that he wasn't, he was in it for, you know, such a short period, but, you know, all the same, it's great to see Johnson and he's still in that 30 seconds managed to make me laugh more than once. Yeah, and the other bit that really made me laugh at the end of this scene is as Johnson disappears, Mark and Jez start to walk towards the exit, and then Jez is like, I'm going to stay here. Like, I'm not going to come with you to this perilous journey that you're about to go on. And as Mark leaves, Jeremy does the um, like the old dude brothers, eh, eh, and you're like, now is not the time. Like You are not even going to get a half-hearted <laughs> response from that. It is going to be... Um, it is going to be very much Mark telling you where to get off. So Mark Mark makes his way back to the bank and he, he discovers that Angus is now sitting with um, with Jerry doing the uh, the loan agreement as he also flicks to the counter and sees Wadey basically bottling doing the, the bank robbery. Yeah, he just in the end, he grabs a bunch of pens, doesn't he? And then just quite scared look in his eyes as Wadey kind of yeah bottles it and you know flees the scene with maybe a couple of quids worth of pens um but yeah it turns out that kind of the bigger news perhaps is that uh Jerry has yeah managed to fix Angus up with this loan and it's kind of from going from you know everybody loses it's now everybody wins but Mark because Angus has got his loan he can take April away she gets her holiday Angus perhaps has saved his marriage and Jerry has stolen Mark's probably fairly sizable commission. Um, so it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, Mark is in the worst situation of them all. And he kind of casually casts his mind back to thinking, uh, you know what, maybe I do want this place to get shot up. Like, where is it? I want my shooting. And you're like, yeah, this is not how we envisaged uh, this episode ending for you, Mark. No, yeah, considering he'd played it so well to begin with, he was, you know, playing all the right cards, exploiting, you know, both April and Angus. We were pretty impressed, albeit, you know, how dark it was. Um, But, yeah, to kind of go from holding all the cards to having kind of the rug pulled out from under him, yes, uh, it's been pretty disastrous, the kind of final few minutes for for Mark. Um, But, yeah, that, that brings us to the end of the episode. Fancy a punt on the quizzy, shit a bit of data out of that bunged up brain box. I'll do the buttons, do the answers. Right, well, it's my turn for a quiz this week. I I think I've got an odd number of questions, which is I feel is the sort of thing that would really bug you that I've not got an even number. <laughs> like a multiple you know of five well. or ten. <laughs> um, so I feel like I've got 13 questions. Let's 13? Yeah, I, I came up with a few more whilst we were talking like I had a good set and then I came up with um one two three four extra ones whilst we were talking um bloody hell so some of them are really easy some of them like your one last week about the name of that book are designed (laughs) I knew you would yeah I knew you would (laughs) are designed for you to get wrong so let's let's start off nice and easy um, aside from the Queen, who else does Jeremy claim to have life coached? Uh, Jensen Button. Yep. Uh, where this is a bit more tricky. You have to listen. Like, where does Jeremy claim to have an office? 
Uh, it I, is like, um, like Cal Calper Street. Yeah, Can yeah, Calper Street. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you'd ask that. Okay. Um, how does Jeremy describe tennis? Uh, ping pong for giants. Yeah, bullshit ping pong for giants. Um, we talked about him earlier and uh, my my link or my cousin's link to his daughter. But um, what is Andrew Roberts doing a talk on at the British Academy that Mark gets tickets to? Oh, no. It's some... Is it like... It's something to do with letters. I can't remember yeah. if it's World War One or World War Two, but he makes a joke about mustard gas, which makes me then think it's World War One. Yeah, it's World War One trench letters. I'll let you have that. Yeah. So you're on four for four so far. Name any of the two shits that Mark refers Jeremy to Jeremy as. So like, <laughs> he says, "Am I a shit?" and then Mark makes a list of the types uh, of shit. Yeah. He is. Okay. Um, he calls him a, a shit for all seasons, which yep. I loved. Uh, and he also refers to him as the shit man of Europe, which I thought was an excellent play on the sick man of Europe. He does. Do you want to go? You can have the point, but do you want to go for the other two? Uh, ooh, he calls him the shit on my shoe. Yep. And then my favourite one is the giant uh, walking, talking, anthropomorphized shit on stilts. Ah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have got that one. <laughs> Fantastic. You're doing really well so far. You're on five for five. So... Ooh, lovely. I will take either the description of what it looks like or the hand that it was in. Which flannel had Jez jazzed on? <laughs> oh, um... So as we're looking at it, was it the one in... Yeah. So not whether it was in Mark's left or right, but as we're looking at it, is it the left or right? Or you can describe the flannel and you can have the point. Oh, I tried to remember. I'm really annoyed now because I thought this might come up and I was like, make sure... I like I remember which hand it's in, but now I'm thinking about it, I can't remember. I want to say he puts the one in the bin, doesn't he? Uh, is it the one in his his left hand? Yeah, so it's Mark's left hand. So we're looking at it. It's, it's yes. the right hand side. Um, so it's a like a blue and white striped one. Like it's like quite like a yeah. Like a, like a beach, like a, um, like a, what do you call it? Like a deck chair sort of pattern. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Six for six. This is, if you get this right, then you're a peep show pervert. Um, <laughs> what, when Hans is at the um, fruit machine and he's like, oh, it's turned. What does it land on that means that he hasn't won? Oh, Christ. <laughs> if you get um, this, then this is obscene. <laughs> uh, you see it like for about half a second. five symbols or something? Four. Four. Oh, uh, yeah. oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah, four, yeah. Oh, if it helps, oh, okay. two of them are the same. I'll guess um, cherries. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's the first um, one. Grapes. That's one, isn't it? Yeah. Or like... Some sort of like berry, yeah, yeah. Is that one as well? So there are two cherries, grapes, and then there's one more. Oh my god! Um, uh, Anna, what is he? He says something about we're up the beanstalk. Gold, golden egg. I'm gonna give you that. It's a gold bar. 
Those so, yeah, first it's... two were like almost guesses. I was just thinking, what do you get on a fruity? So it's a cherry, or a, a, a pair of cherries, a gold bar, another pair of cherries, and then like a, a bunch of grapes. But you you only see it for about half a second. Like, I had to pause it and rewind it like three times to get it exactly what it was on. <laughs> Oh, um, wow. so I think you've perhaps been a little bit generous with the golden egg gold bob. I'll I'll take that. That's yeah. I think more luck than anything. Um, okay, so I was I'm trying to work out how to ask this question. Um, how difficult to make it? So it's a two. It's a basically a two part question. How many uh, moles did April have? Oh, Mark has more, doesn't he? April has uh, she has she is 30 something and Mark has 40 something. Yeah, I just take a stab that much I think. Uh, I can't remember if he has a lot more. 34 and 41. So I'll give you a point cuz it's 41 Mark has 41 um and April <sighs> has 32. Oh, so what did I say you... again? Thirty-four. So two yeah. out. Okay, not yeah. too bad. I was gonna I'll give you the. <laughs> I was gonna give you the total and then try and help you out that way. But yeah, so that's fine. I'll give you a point for that. Um, where does Mark say he's going to run to as an alternative for throwing his iPad out of the window? Oh, we've. I swear we've mentioned this on other episodes. Um, uh, Thornton Heath. Yep. Um. So when Hans is describing Wadey, he describes him as six different things. Like when they're when he's like he's got <laughs> oh multiple personality disorder. What are the six things? And they're oh easy to God. do if you think about them in pairs, because it's like he's he's this, but he's this. He's this, but he's this. He's this, oh, but he's this. Um, he's angry. Is one of them? No. Is one of them angry? No. no? Uh... One of them's like that. Aggressive, furious. The last one is furious. I'm going to give furious. them to you because otherwise this podcast episode could go on. Yeah, for like I don't a think month. I'll, I'll. Yeah. So he says because he says I thought you said he was harmless, and he says he's many things, Jeremy. He's harmless. He's deadly. He's a devil. He's a saint. He's happy. He's furious. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't never have got that. Okay, you're on to your last three, which I appreciate are not in chronological order. Um, how much of a loan does Angus need to go on the cruise? Uh, five grand. Yep. Um, <laughs> this is my question of like, if you get this, um, you'd have to really been concentrating. What is the name of the book that Angus re- refers to as like it's just a pamphlet being so sort of narrow in its scope to be almost worthless oh my god isn't it like in latin or something yep yeah i've got no chance uh no i'm not even gonna try and make the noises that could be something (laughs) if you're listening to this episode and um I remember reading back through one of our reviews once, basically being like, Rob takes the quizzes like the, too seriously and he makes the questions <laughs> too hard. I completely take your point. The answer <laughs> is Martin of Apava's Chronica Pontificum et Imperatorium. Yeah, what I said. 
And to end it on a similarly horrible note, <laughs> what um, what does um, Mark enter on the computer when um, he's putting the loan in for Angus, when he's putting the loan application? He says it in his monologue as I... he's putting it in. I watched this and I invented a thing in my head to remember it. And it is Jesus being crucified on the telephone wearing sunglasses. <laughs> can you get it in the right order? So <laughs> I'm not sure if I can get it in the order, but I burned that image into my brain this morning. So there's a crucifix. Yeah. Um, like a per, like a, a face, like a, yep. a person, uh, sunglasses, and uh, he's on the telephone, so a phone. Yeah, so it's telephone, telephone, sunglasses, smiley face, crucifix. So I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. I would, I've never have got the order, but I, I deliberately made sure I remembered like what the things were. So I'm just going to do a quick tot up of your scores. You did very, very well. So you got I'm Jensen Buttons for that. You got Jensen Button, you got Cowper Street, you got Ping Pong for Giants, um, which I want to touch on just before we finish. You got the uh, World War One letters, so you got four, the Shit Man of Europe five, the Flannel six, the Fruit Machine seven, Thornton Heath eight, the Lone nine, and then that ten. So ten out of oh, and you got half of the mole mapping one. So you got ten out of like ten and a half out of like fourteen. Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, a fair bit of luck in there, guessing the um, the fruity machine results and the. Well, did I get what I got? One of the mole. I got Mark's moles somehow. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, good luck show Perhaps it. a little bit generous, but I'll um, yeah. Other than that, I'm pretty pleased with that. Yeah, and I just wanted to touch on really quickly. This is the sort of stuff that we get from our from our listeners. So shout out to Zach Duarte if you are listening. He messaged me earlier when um, I sent something out about what people's thoughts were on the episode, and he said, <laughs> "Is ping pong is tennis ping pong for giants or is ping pong tennis for giants? Surely tennis is ping pong for borrowers." And if a giant played tennis, wouldn't it be ping pong? And if a borrower played ping pong, wouldn't it be tennis? And I was like, no, surely, because tennis balls would be massive for a borrower. And he just sent me a reply saying, the the, the, the meme of Mark saying, uh, you have to admit it's interesting. Um, so this is the sort of level of interaction that we get on our Instagram and, and Twitter accounts. So thank you for all of the people that send us these messages. It does keep me entertained on on a Sunday afternoon to, re- to reply to this. And I, I did message him and say, I'm probably going to read this out word for word on the podcast. Um, and, yeah. he, and, and he hopefully we can settle it once for all. So if you have got a thought on this, then please don't bother letting us know because I don't, don't particularly, don't particularly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't particularly care. But um, if, if you disagree with what Zach's saying or disagree with what I'm saying, then please, uh, yeah, please do get in touch. My, uh, my email address is Tom Harrison. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of how they can nah. get in touch do you want to run them through how they can yeah so um if you do want to follow zach's uh zach's suit and uh contact us on instagram then you can find us just by searching for pod at podcast with the pharaohs on facebook just by searching for podcast with the pharaohs there's a bit of a theme going on here on twitter at podcast pharaohs and if you want to email us then it's podcast secrets of the pharaohs at gmail.com and like tom said if you are interested in joining our patron it is patreon so it's 
patron, but with an E before the O, <laughs> .com forward slash podcast pharaohs. And yeah, there's plenty of extra content on there. And I'm, I'm hoping that we might get a couple of bits out on there towards the end of this series, just to give our patrons one sort of final hurrah before the podcast starts to sort of run down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a few little extra things that I've had in mind that I wouldn't mind doing a sort of short, kind of um, shorter episodes that perhaps we could do as patron exclusive. So yeah, if you're interested, I'll put the link in the description so you don't have to remember that uh, website so you can find it there. Um, And as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we've got a number of patron exclusive episodes out already, probably about half a dozen or so. So it's almost like another series on there. Um, So do check those out if you haven't already. And if you are interested in... Um, or if you've got any thoughts on any episodes that we could do like obviously we said at the beginning of the episode we've only got two episodes left after this of the actual show but we don't want to just sort of cut it at that point we've got some specials that we want to do I've got potentially one um, sort of a, a special episode where we might be able to pull in a guest to take part in it um, and we've got a couple of other things in the pipeline but if you think do you know what it'd be really good to talk about this a particular theme then then let us know because then we can sort of divide stuff up between being a patron Project Zeus Files exclusive and stuff that we want to put on sort of the main the main podcast yeah absolutely yeah so welcome any of those ideas let us know what you think um but I think that, yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode then, doesn't it? So um, you can join us next week. Penultimate Peep Show episode, episode five of series nine, which is called Kid Cave. Um, and we're going to get to see Sophie for the first time, isn't it? In series nine, we'll be seeing Sophie, I think. Yeah, we didn't see her very much in series eight. No, yeah. So that will be nice to see her back. Um, so, yeah, tune in next week to to see that. Um other than that, thank you very much for, for listening. If you've, if you've reached this far, as always, um, please do leave a review if um, if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever. If there's a review option available, please do, because that helps the show out massively. I did notice, though, that we've uh, we've been... Our podcast is now bigger on Spotify than it is on, on Apple. Oh, really? Yeah, we've, we've, we've overtaken... The Spotify percentage of our listeners is now getting on for half of our listeners, and then um, Apple's about oh, wow. the other, like forty percent of the of the rest of it. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah. If you're on Apple, please do leave us a review. I don't think you can do reviews on Spotify, can you? No. If you can, then great. But uh, I'm not a huge Spotify user. Um, but yeah, no, no worries if not. But those reviews, um, they do really help us out because, particularly in the Apple charts, it kind of helps like bump us up so we get you know more visibility for the show um so yeah that's always greatly appreciated um if not um yeah feel free to send us a message as well rob shout out all the socials and stuff but i think yeah we come to the very end now so any final thoughts rob before we dash no i'm just i I almost don't want to record the last couple of episodes (laughs) it's really really real and I, i was thinking about this as i as i logged on to start recording earlier like I remember Tom saying to me when uh, I watched, I was uh, quite late to the party watching Breaking Bad. And I remember Tom saying to me before we started or before I got into the last series, Tom said to me, like, you want the last three episodes to be watched back to back? 
like what you need to have time to then go bam yeah. bam bam because it's such a good <laughs> ending so maybe like i suppose if you're listening to this then you've already failed at that but um maybe listen to our last three episodes just back to back just as a sort of an emotional uh, <laughs> an emotional end to our podcast and to mentally prepare yourself for it God, that'd have end. to be three bloody good podcasts <laughs> to kind you'd of to, compete with breaking bad and you'd have um, to be on a very long haul flight to, to probably <laughs> to get all three of them in in one sitting <laughs> la to sydney or something <laughs> yeah fair play um well i think on that note then we will wrap things up so yeah thank you everybody for listening as always and thank you for joining me rob i have never been this intensely funny